International Affairs on the Viewpoint. International Affairs on the Viewpoint. The time is 21.37. Good evening to Mr. Davi Ruet, Director and Chief Economist of the Efficient Group. We are talking about the recent utterances of the U.S. Ambassador to South Africa confirming that he would bet his life. I mean, that is some statement to make that armaments were loaded on a Russian ship from South Africa bearing South African arms. And it's pretty clear if that is true where those arms are going and what they will be doing your initial reaction when you heard that, Darby, what did you make of it? And, of course, following the debate since those statements were made, what do you make of this? It is a crisis. It's a crisis in the U.S. It's a crisis in South Africa. It's a diplomatic crisis of some unprecedented proportions. Either way, however, if you will, the penny falls on this one. Your response to this or your perspectives, think out loud even. Yeah, um, good evening to you. And I can tell you this is a crisis to, to the South African economy as well. And we can perhaps talk about that a little bit. Well, first of all, I was very surprised to hear the uh, ambassador saying something like this. Because typically ambassadors don't say stuff like this in public. Mm. They usually do it behind the iron. You know, they talk to the to the minister or to whoever, for some politician or whatever. They don't, they don't usually do this in public. Secondly... Uh, I think the intelligence of the Americans is probably the best in the world. And uh, there are many examples. I mean, uh, a year or what ago when the Russians invaded Ukraine, they they said that the Russians are planning to invade Ukraine. And everybody said that's untrue. And the Americans said, well, watch out. They're going to invade you. And that's exactly what happened. There are many other examples as well. The Americans are very, very good when it comes to intelligence. Then the third thing, uh, that, that means that there must be some truth in this. Then the third thing that I'm really puzzled about, and that is the question of what is there that South African exports to the Russians that the Russians actually want? And I really can't think of anything. Maybe there's something that obviously I don't know much about defense and, and armament and weapons and stuff like that, but I can't think of anything that the Russians would like to have that, that we have. Um, I also think that the Russian ambassador had a full backing of his political bosses in Washington, um, maybe even the president. Maybe President Biden actually told him, listen, the, the South Africans do not want to listen. They keep on supporting the, the Russians in one way or the other. Uh, maybe you need to say something like this in public to, to maybe maybe get some reaction then. And he got a lot of reaction after saying that. So, uh, and of course, the financial markets, and that's the stuff that I'm really interested in. The financial markets really, yeah, the market bombed out. The rand was already weak, and we can, and like I said, I think we should talk a little bit about the rand. But the rand bombed out completely. Uh, it started in 1952, if I'm not mistaken, and the bond market, and that's something that people don't understand really, but it, perhaps it's important to talk about the bond market as well, the capital market. Now that one bombed out as well. And if the rand remains where it is, and if the capital market remains where it is, we are going to get into some serious trouble. Purely from a financial point of view. But uh, but I was really surprised to hear the, the ambassador saying something like this. I mean, we're going to get to the commerce of it all because it is a very important conversation. And South Africans, whatever our disposition is in relation to this mess is economically we are all hit and hit for the worse in relation to this but yeah. the political fallout here has got some serious consequence because you don't recover from this 
um, tomorrow. I mean, it's, it is something that remains. I mean, remember when Donald Trump said what he said about South Africa, where President Ramaphosa had to say, Donald Trump, shut up. And the response, generally speaking, from Congress, particularly the Democratic Party, that were just saying, I mean, the point is something like this, as much as it is talked about here, it might not necessarily make news in the United States, but certainly in Congress, it does change the dynamic because traditionally, South Africa, United States, strong relationships. South Africa is a key partner of the United States in the continent. Now, and this is where economics comes in from a political issue, AGOA is a very touchy subject, and by most accounts, or by certainly a lot of accounts, South Africa might not survive the AGOA conference taking place if it's happening in August or any time later. Talk about that. I mean, of course, the strength okay. of the RAND and how it just continues to tank against the U.S. dollar. There are yeah. some serious repercussions beyond the political boardrooms. Yeah. Okay, well, I can just tell you, I mean, I follow the international news as well, and um, I, the, 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 the newspaper that I, I absolutely love to read is The, the Economist. It, it looks like a magazine, but they call, call themselves a newspaper. Or The Financial Times, that is a very influential newspaper as well, and they had it in the front pages, this whole thing between South Africa and um, and the United States. But I'm really, I, mean, I, I think the biggest losers here, not only from a financial point of view, but in terms of, of, of uh, eggs on our faces, is certainly South Africa. I think the president even, because the president couldn't answer the question of whether we sent arms to, to Russia or not. And if the president can't answer a, a, a question like this, I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he's supposed to be in charge of our armed for, forces in South Africa. He's supposed to know stuff like this. Uh, if he doesn't know, then he can simply call and ask his minister of, of, of defense or the chief of the Navy. On what well, I suppose it makes the question that much more obvious as to what the answer really yeah. is. Yeah, just ask them and let us know why you don't need a commission. But um, maybe I can just explain on the capital markets and, and AGOA and the importance Please. of that. Yes, okay, AGOA is an agreement, it's a unilateral agreement that was uh, Bill Clinton started this in 2000. And basically what it means is that certain countries, there are usually around about 40 countries in sub-Saharan Africa, that are allowed to export to the United States without without any import duties on the side of the Americans, any major obstacles in exporting to the United States. So you can basically, without any tariffs, export to the United States. And if you use that well, like South Africa, then you can really gain from this. And we export things, especially things like motor cars and some agricultural products uh, to the United States, and we gain from that quite a lot. The total trade between South Africa and the United States is approximately 400 billion. And just for comparison, the trade between South Africa and Russia is about 20 billion. So it's a major difference here. Um, and, so we, and we run a, a, a surplus with the Americans, which means that they export more to the Americans than what they export to us. There are some rules and some requirements if you want to be part of AGOA. It stands for African Growth and Opportunity Act. If you want to be part of that, uh, there are certain things that you need to do. You have to have a uh, uh, you have to protect private property rights, you have to follow a free market system, you have to do something about corruption, that sort of stuff. Um, and if you look, you look at the list of things that we need to comply with, uh, then I'm wondering whether we should be on this, uh, whether we should be getting benefits from AGOA or not. And maybe also a side comment, uh, the idea of AGOA is for very poor countries. In South Africa, compared to the other countries in Sub-Saharan Africa, is actually not that poor. So from that point of view, mm. maybe we shouldn't be part of AGOA in any of it. 
Uh, and also important is that countries are uh, allowed under Goa and they kicked off and allowed back under Goa, and it's happened quite a lot of, and many times the past 23 years or so since the inception of, of, of Goa. And it's also the prerogative of the president of the United States. So he can, he can simply yeah. decide, listen, I, I don't like the American, I, I don't like the South Africans, I'm going to kick them up tomorrow morning. And he can do that. It doesn't need to go through uh, the various houses, uh, political houses. Like if the president can simply decide that. If that should happen, and he decides to kick, kick us off, then, uh, of course, we're not going to lose $400 billion worth of trade with the Americans, but it's going to become much more difficult. Uh, and, and I've tried to make a rough calculation of what the impact on economic growth is going to be, and I guess it's going to be 0.2, somewhere there, uh, uh, effect on economic growth. Um, which doesn't sound that much, and perhaps it isn't that much, but the economy is just not going anywhere in any event. So we, we, we're talking about zero economic growth for this year, and anything that everything else that we lose is bad. It's bad for the South African economy. So we should try to be part of the, um, of the uh, agreement. Maybe, you know, I speak to international investors all the time, and international journalists all the time, and I'm starting getting weird questions the last couple of days. Questions like, for example... So what is the impact of sanctions potentially going to be in South Africa? And not only American sanctions, also sanctions from the Europeans. Now, why are they asking me these kind of questions? And I'm also getting questions from international journalists on political stability in South Africa. So the questions that I'm getting from international journalists are different from previously. So clearly, this is a different ball game uh, that we've entered into the last couple of, literally last couple of days than maybe used to be. Perhaps something on the Let's engage market. that question before you continue. I mean, we are yes. effectively now, the kinds of questions you are fielding are predicated on the reality that brand South Africa is not what brand South Africa was. For the better, for the worse, previously, for now, I get the impression, if not just most obvious thing for somebody who operates in the space that I do in a journalistic environment, that brand South Africa is tanking. We've got an economy that even for the majority of South Africans is cause for concern. Unemployment is increasing. We just had a conversation on guns. Violence and violent crime in South Africa is on the rise. The continued polity at a political level is dropping and the increasing chasm or chasms, however the word is pronounced, and mistrust between government and its citizens is moving in the wrong direction. Then you have this issue. I'm just going to call it that because I don't know quite appropriately how to say it. We are now at variance with the United States. Let's say that. And the reality is our ratings as a nation with these uh, sovereign credit ratings agencies, at best we are positive, a couple of negatives here and there, but the point is, Brand South Africa has taken a major hit, it is bruised, that's why you asked these questions. How do we emerge? You know, I listened to the the, the, the tail end of your discussion about guns, and in a way, this guns discussion applies to this as well. Because and because you know the, the resp- a state is something that monopolizes violence, and the state monopolizes violence, and they use this violence to protect the people of the country, and we the people of the country that's the social pact. We the people of the country we are prepared to fund the state with our taxes, provided that the state does what it's supposed to do, and that's the primary function, and that's protect the people of the state. If the state doesn't do that. And the state doesn't stick to each end of the bargain, then the social the social pact uh, disintegrates, and I, as an individual, I can re- I can take my right back to protect myself. And I guess that's part of the reason why we have the gun 
violence and violence, generally speaking, in South Africa, because the state is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. So I guess there's, there's an angle there that that that, that, that sort of um, resonates with the discussion that we're having at the moment. But um, coming to perhaps on the exchange rate of the rent and the capital market, we have to understand where we are. Now, I've followed the exchange rate of the rent for many, many decades. Uh, and what I do know is that quite often what happens is there's some sort of crisis, the rent tend to really weaken quite suddenly. And it then the sort of the dust will settle down and then gradually the rand will come back to a certain level again. Now I've tried to calculate that correct level of the rand, making use of a, it's a bit of a complicated formula. If you want to ask me about it, I will try to explain that. But basically what it, what it comes down to is that the rand will come back, back to a certain level and that level is not too difficult to determine. And that level today should be about 16 and a half to the US dollar. Now you can clearly see uh, currently trading at less, um, less than 19 or actually more than 19 to the US dollar compared to 16 and a half to rent is way above or way weaker than where it's supposed to be trading against the U.S. dollar. So that's a sign of the exceptional weakness of our currency. And the rent is basically the, 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 the share price of South Africa incorporated. And we are all poorer today compared to a week ago because our share price uh, uh, took a huge knock the last couple of days. But I think what is probably going to happen is that, as always, the rent's going to settle somewhere and then gradually it's going to drift a little bit stronger. But I don't think we're going to see 16.5 again. I think maybe 18.5 or perhaps even 18 or maybe even below 18. No, but no, no, really no. Don't be a prophet of Dumi Adavi. Come on, man. I still want to travel <laughs> the world and I still want my money to mean something to me. But I've got 50 <laughs> seconds, so I'm going to take a very short break now. But sure. let, let, let's consider this word now. I mean, I hate to use it, but it's not so much of a far-fetched proposal altogether because, I mean, these is, this is how these things start. You irritate a global economy or global power, which the U.S. is, whether we like it or not, the conversation becomes very different and it's consistent with the questions you are now fielding, not just from the U.S. but from Europe as well and the responses. I mean, look what Japan did. They kicked us out of the G7. When last did South Africa not go to the G7? The point is, this word called sanctions is a lot bigger now than it previously has been in correspondence between us and the global north stroke west. It's bold, it's italicized, and it's underlined. The question is, how much of that word should we fear? And I'm thinking the FATF, the Financial Action Task Force, and recently what it did earlier this year. After the break, we continue the conversation with Davi Ruet. Kickback. International Affairs with Songezuma Bebe. I sincerely hope there's somebody who is tuning in from overseas, wherever they may be, South African or not. If by some stroke of luck, we have somebody who is tuning in from wherever in the world they are, outside the country, Lesotho is outside South Africa for that matter. So please, if you're even from Lesotho, participate and respond to this question. What do you make from where you are outside, looking in, or looking at South Africa, what do you think? Whatever it is that comes up to mind first or foremost, or even with a sense of application 10, 30 seconds later, what do you think of South Africa? And personally, when you hear this conversation that Davi Roet and I are having and the realities that pertain on the ground, I mean, this is not Davi offering his opinions. He's just reporting back on what is happening economically and how that might affect you and I in South Africa. What do you at home think when now we are having this sober conversation as to 
Well, we are operating and living in the global village, and we cannot be an island unto oneself. I mean, this is what ultimately strangled apartheid out of its existence. The reality was sanctions were beginning to bite, and the world was not responding favorably or accommodating of anything to do with apartheid. And certainly once the um, movements in the United States and the anti-apartheid movement in the UK particularly started to get some momentum, the noose was tightening and... The line was drawn in the sand for the apartheid government to shape up, quite literally, or ship out, and they had to ship out. The point that I'm getting back to, Darvi, here is sanctions. How far off the road or far down the road are sanctions in relation to all these things you and I have spent the best part of 20 minutes lamenting? I don't think so. I don't think that is, that is something that's going to happen soon. Uh, I think I think the Americans are going to keep us on the go, at least for now, because at least that gives you a bit of leverage over South Africa. Uh, of course, don't don't keep on pulling their lines down for too long. I mean, eventually they're going to get angry. But I don't think that's the case yet. When it comes to sanctions from the Europeans, I also really doubt that. For the same reason, I think, uh, I, I think they will give us much more fear and warning that they're going to do something like that. So sanctions, I don't think, is, is on the cards. Uh, perhaps I can just explain what's going to happen to the economy because that is something that we need to understand where we are. With the rand where it is now, is that that will lead to inflationary pressures, that will lead to the Reserve Bank increasing interest rates again. That will lead to weaker economic growth. The capital market simply means that's where the Minister of Finance borrows a lot of money. And because of that, the capital market interest rates or the yields went up quite sharply. Now, the fiscal accounts of the Minister of Finance has become unsustainable. Uh, he spends far too much money given the available money in the form of taxes that they take out of the economy, and the economy is not growing, and that means that the fiscal accounts will become even more unsustainable because it will become very, it is very expensive for the Minister of Finance to borrow money now, and it will become even more expensive. That means he will have to pay more interest. If he pays more interest, he will have less money to spend on other things. So I can tell you is that this, the rand where it is and the capital market where it is, and given the fact that the, the fiscal accounts, the stuff that the Minister of Finance is responsible for, is already unsustainable, tells me one thing, and that we are in for some very difficult times. And also, we've got an election around the corner. I think the ANC is on its way out, which is a good thing. Um, I don't. I think Why there will still that? be part. Because they cause immense damage. No, no, no. Why do you say the ANC is on its way out? Okay. Uh, because I, I listen to all the various polls. I think the ANC, I think the ANC even if it get more than 50%, uh, I think this is the last time we're going to get more than 50% because clearly the, the trajectory, the support of the ANC is waning. That is, uh, I think there's a good chance that the ANC is going to get just below 50%, and that means they will have to go into coalition with the smaller parties. I don't think the EFF, but it will be sufficient with the smaller parties, and that means that is we're talking about the end of the uh, Let's the speculate end, some more here, Davi, because we really are running out of time, and I'm not seeing the okay, participation cool. right. coming from home. Here, here's a question that I do want to ask, just sure. on that, because, I mean, it has got some serious import, the statement. Let's assume for a moment it does become true that the ANC drops to less than 50, because it means that that they have to have for the first time ever a conversation yeah. with meaning with other political parties. They've never had a threat of that, but it certainly is the case now. So I'm not necessarily disputing. Now, here's the question. Is South Africa, both citizens and the political space, ready for that? Are our institutions ready for that? Is our society of the last 30 years ready for a non-ANC majority 
national government. I'm not saying it's a bad thing that should happen or a good thing that should that happen, but are we in a position to accommodate that? Here's why I'm asking. Look at all these coalition governments at local government level. Look at the city of Johannesburg. I mean, this is supposed to be the creme de la creme of cities on the continent. Look at the debacle that is there at the council chamber. Tswane recently, Nelson Mandela Bay not so long ago. Now imagine this happening on a national scale. That's the question that I'm making. That's exactly the point I'm making. That is exactly the point. The point I'm making is that the next couple of years in South Africa is probably going to be quite unstable from a political point of view. And when there's a political instability, that means that you do not have a good government, you don't have proper policies, and that's bad for the financial markets, and that's bad for economic growth. That is exactly the point I make. Now, what do we yet have at our disposal, either as citizens, as the political structures, as the civil organizations? What Mm -hmm. is within our remit now to stymie this trajectory? Final comment. Uh, plenty of things. Plenty of things. We've got you. We've got the press. We've got an amazing press in South Africa. You do an excellent job. I think Raymond Zondry was an excellent appointment. Uh, we've got, we have many institutions still working very well. The South African Reserve Bank is a wonderful example of something that works very well. The financial markets are very liquid, well regulated, they function very well. And that's part of, why, part of, by, by the, way, part of the reason why the Rand Bank because the financial markets do what they are supposed to be doing. So those sort of things work very well. But as an individual, what I suggest people do is get involved. Get involved politically, get involved socially, and know who your neighbors are, and don't be scared of democracy, uh, because there are many other things that still work in the economy. But we, we don't have a failed state. I don't believe that, but what we certainly do have, we've got a government that failed South Africa. Let's fix that. And the rest of the of the country and the rest of the economy will be sorted out as well. Fantastic. Well, Davi, that's a good point upon which to leave this conversation. Of course, we haven't touched even the surface of the issues. That really, we could speak. I mean, we talk politics, we talk economy. We could spend the rest of the week just talking on this issue. But for now, let's call it quits. And thanks so much for your time, man. My pleasure. Thank you. Director and Chief Economist of the Efficient Group, Mr. Davi Arroyd. 22 hours on the money.